We are all called to leadership. We are all meant for a calling to something bigger than ourselves, to lead how God designed us to lead. Servant leadership, propping others up, empowering them, being that voice of encouragement that allows them to identify their passions, their gifts, walk in their purpose, experience that overwhelming peace and calling. So I encourage you, listen to this episode, dig into areas where you can improve, where you can be that leader, lean into what culture says about leadership. Defy the odds of what society is telling you about leadership. Be counter-cultural, counter-intuitive, be abnormal, be unique, be different, but most of all, be courageous leaders. Last in line nation, once again, I couldn't be more honored to bring you another episode of Project 222 where we get stories and perspective from former college athletes who know what it's like. They know what your journey is like because they lived it. And so the faith journey as a college athlete is challenging. It's stressful. Uh, There's a lot of things out there uh, pulling you in different directions. So we want to encourage you, pour into you, and share stories of people who have done it and know how to help you win in this battle. So Project 222, uh, today I bring you Alex Caesar from um, up in Bryan College Station, Texas. So Alex started his football career at Texas A&M in 2013 and got to start and play a lot of games as a freshman, Um, was a special teams contributor, team captain. Um, He got the special teams MVP award. Uh, He got a bunch of awards, and I'm going to go into these. I'm going to tell you right now, this guy is powerful. Uh, Aggie Hart Award. For anybody in Texas that is familiar with Texas A&M, huge tradition. Um, Great school. Uh, Aggie Hart Award was a big one. Distinguished Letterman's Award, which is the highest honor that an A&M athlete can receive. Um, Very commendable there. Uh, Alex's off-the-field work, pretty remarkable as well. So, He got the Bill Irwin Scholar Athlete Award. He was the FCA, Fellowship Christian Athletes Athlete of the Year at one point. All SEC academic team. Graduated from A&M's Engineering School with honors in 2016. Uh, And then this guy just took off, man. His career started working in oil and gas and then joined a company called Twin City Properties, uh, where now he serves as president. Um, and also uh, as uh, president of Twin Cities and then Caesar Enterprises as well. So in Bryan College Station, manages 20 employees. And I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but over $100 million in assets. So um, the guy's doing it. He is a picture of life beyond football, life beyond sports, and what you can do with that experience in college, getting a degree, making something of it. So let me formally welcome Alex Caesar to the show. Wow, thank you. I appreciate it. Man, is that crazy to hear that about yourself? 
how do you hear that about yourself and not smile? Like that is great. That's something you should be proud of for sure. And you're making use of your talents and gifts for other people. So, man, uh, I appreciate you coming on because, you know, we talk about this off air about this project and the, the vision of it. And man, I got to tell you right out of the Bible. So I feel like I was led to do this and, and project 222 comes right out of second Timothy two, two, where yeah. we, it talks about, you know, take what I've taught you, teach it to faithful men so that they can teach others also. So it's all about downstream discipleship, downstream investments of people. So man, I think your experiences are valuable and I can't wait to dig into this. Um, but first we're going to go into something a little crazy that I started, uh, this week. Um, so we're going to do, uh, what I call an enlightening round. We want you to enlighten us about Alex Caesar, the, the person okay. here behind the curtain. So in lightning, they're going to start with an N, these categories, three categories. All right, here we go. Nutrition. What's your favorite food? So my favorite food is probably, at least the second one's probably not that nutritious. I have a sweet tooth. Um, before that, I like seafood. So being from Southeast Texas, Southwest Louisiana, so there's a lot of seafood in that area. Yeah. So I, you know, I was, I didn't have another word that started with N, but we, we don't have to box it in to just healthy stuff. That would be boring. So nutrition, favorite food. So seafood and what else did you say? Uh, on the sweet side, I mean, ice cream, yeah. pudding, cheesecake, pretty much you name it. If it's sweet. Oh, speaking yeah. my language, speaking my yeah. language. Um, and so, okay, so the second one here is, I like this question. So I thought of it, so of course I like it, but I really like it. Uh, but nuisance. So the second end is nuisance. So when you were playing, was there a team or just a particular player that used to just irritate you? Like a team that you just dreaded playing because they were just irritatingly effective. Was there anybody like that? Can you go into some of that? Well, obviously, everybody thinks of everyone's nuisance as Alabama. Sure. I think the most, uh, the biggest nuisance uh, I played against, and the biggest nuisance, the reason is we never beat them. Um, and I'm originally from Louisiana, and I wanted to go to LSU originally. LSU has to be uh, going home, seeing all of my family members, my uncles that are you know Tiger fans, and uh -oh. in my head every year. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so that was my biggest nuisance but the year after i graduated we beat them so I'll, I'll take it okay well good yeah that that's a tough that's a tough out man both of those are tough outs and i, yeah, I guess it was, it was definitely a love-hate relationship i love yeah, this new, i couldn't help but hate them <laughs> as we get into this like this nuisance like as i start asking more people down the road it's relatively new but i bet there's going to be a common theme of anybody's answer on nuisance is going to be a team that they struggled to beat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even Absolutely. the ones you beat, I'm sure frustrate sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the last one here is never. So I never blank, but would love to. What's your bucket list uh, look like? I would love to travel to Africa. Mm. And my wife wants to go to Bora Bora. So therefore I want to go to Bora Bora. So. Are you guys built? Yeah, that's how it works. Are you guys big travelers? Uh, she identifies maybe as a traveler. We haven't traveled much. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. Nobody. Years a little, a little bit more. Nobody has really in the last year or so uh, yeah, traveled absolutely. much, but, but yeah, now you have no excuse. Now you got to start <laughs> booking stuff, reservations, 
Yeah, I got to get the Bora Bora on the calendar. Well, I tell you what, man, let's get into some stuff here that I feel is going to maybe change somebody's life. Um, and your perspective is going to be huge for this. So, man, we're talking about servant leadership, talking about college athletes who are just in that grind every day and balancing not only what regular non athletes are balancing, but they've got to factor in some of those pressures that come along with being high profile, mostly scholarship mm -hmm. athletes yeah. in a, what I would say a challenging environment if you're trying to walk out your faith sometimes. So did you, did you have any, what, what leaders did you see in your career at A&M like that you really kind of looked at and thought that's, that's what I want to be like, or what mentors did you have along the way that helped you that had those qualities that helped you out be more of a leader that you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I got to campus, there were a couple of guys that were kind of leading the charge in the FCA, Michael Lamont, um, Josh Lambeau, and um, those two guys were pillars on the team, especially when it came to faith and FCA. Um, and then my second year, we had a guy by the name of Kyle Henson come on as director of player development. Um, with him and then getting to know Bill Johnson my freshman year in FCA and McCullough coming on and really forming a close bond with the players. Um, those four guys were guys that were um, influential in my life and kind of led the charge in my early years in college, um, showing me the ropes and then kind of passing me the torch. And actually, it's funny you mentioned uh, Timothy. Um, that was the scripture that was written on the baton that was passed to me from Josh Lambeau in FCA. Wow. And I led the charge from there and then passed it on to Coda Martin. So. That's awesome. So yeah, you were doing exactly living it out what we're trying to do here. And yeah. uh, was there a quality or two that was a common theme amongst those guys you named that made them just stand out as leaders and maybe was a magnetic, there was a magnetism to them that kind of yeah. drew you in and thought and, and something you adopted from them? Yeah, I, I would say something that all of them shared is that they were authentic and then also transparent um i think especially mikado um he came in and it was almost weird for us weird for our, like the team and him getting to know everyone because he was a new guy at that point and he came in and he's like hey i love you guys and we didn't know how to take that at first uh, a lot of guys had never heard um and we were just like okay let's you know let's give this guy a chance right and just, hey, I love you guys and that just kept going on and then we started walking through a book together all in and then it could just continue from there and day after day, he was just true to who you know he said he was from day one and he just lived it out over and over and over again next thing you know everybody else is like hey Kyle, we love you and it just kind of started from there um he's still doing the same thing today i stopped by and see him every now and then at the um bright and he's he's the same guy yeah, no, that's awesome because I'm I'm having him on here in a couple of weeks and uh, got connected through a mutual friend. And yeah, man, I just I hear his heart behind this and you can tell he's he's right in the middle of what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. He's got so much. There's so much fruit from that. And I think we should get into that a little later, maybe is how you know that you're in that swim lane that you should be in because yeah. of the fruit or fruit around you. But um, yeah, so, you know, you saw a lot of things. Um as a, as a Christian athlete and, you know, talk about your faith along the way and not only the challenges you see or that you experience, but maybe some that you see a, a widespread common theme throughout college athletes right now that is just a 
really is a vacuum that's sucking them maybe yeah. in the wrong direction and, and distractions that you saw or felt yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, my challenge with faith in college was, you know, at an all time high. Um, and the challenge was exactly the word faith, belief, maintaining a strong belief. Mm -hmm. So whenever I think it was my sophomore year in college, um, you're kind of in this safe space, so to speak, growing up, you know, it's the people, you know, the people you've always known around the same ideas you've pretty grown up with you have a, you know i had a strong background and family that had the same idea yeah. all my life i've heard hey this is the way we live this is true this is the fact and then you get out and you start meeting new people and they say eh, i don't know about that so it starts to kind of make you question for the first time in life like why do i believe what i believe is this just mm -hmm. something is something I was told, or is it something that is personal to me? Um, am I just a pastor's kid that is always, you know, what if I would've been born in Africa? Or what if I was born in India? So it was the first time in my life I actually stepped back and evaluated um, what I believe, almost from a scholarly um, type way to where it was like, hey, let's, let's study this, let's prove this. Um, that was interesting, that was challenging, that was, <laughs> It was hard. Um, so that was the first time I ever actually stepped back and studied my faith from a scholarly type viewpoint to say, hey, let's not take everything at face value. Let's dig into it. Let's prove this thing. Um, thankfully, you know, still a believer today, stronger than ever because of that experience. Um, so that would be one thing is like, hey, this, is, this may be the first time some of you are exposed to new ideas. Um, in addition to that is how do you stay true to who God called you to be when everybody else is saying, this is who you are. Um, mm -hmm. Even Jesus himself faced that. He went back to his hometown and everyone expected him to act a certain way. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son? Is his brother James? And where did he get this authority from? How is he speaking in the synagogue this way? Because everything we know about him is we're going to judge him by his history. Yeah. So, we let people's history, family, DNA define people's destiny. So how do we separate expectations of being an athlete? Because they will try to put you in the box. That's what the world wants to do. We want to understand things. And the easiest way to understand things is to look at the people. Let's put this person in the box. He's an athlete. He doesn't struggle. He's a conqueror. He's a great football player. But I'm more than just a football player. I'm a person. So I think that's a struggle for a lot of athletes is who am I outside of this sport? Whether yeah. it's or just moving on, not going to the NFL. Like, who am I now? I think it work. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, how do you stay true to who God called you to be when everybody is saying, hey, here's your box. Stay in it. This is who you are. Yeah. Common, super, super common uh, to have their identity wrapped up in that. Because let's face it. Uh, I mean, I've got kids who've been in competitive sports and then I can only imagine to that next level athlete who is in the one percentile, you know, the 99th percentile of talented athlete getting mm -hmm. college paid for at a major, major school. Uh, I can only imagine like their life has been that they've eaten, breathed, lived yeah. that sport. And academically, everything has kind of a lot of things have been put on the side. Right. And so not to mention faith. So when they get there, it's an adjustment. So it's good to have 
connections um, with the right people because yeah. everybody gravitates right to their teammates, good or bad. That's where your comfort zone is because when you get on a new place, you don't know anybody. How did you, I mean, this isn't really something we talked about, uh, have on the outline to talk about, but you know, what, what made the difference for you in making those connections when you had to sort of reset relationally moving into a college campus? Yeah, honestly, you know, I found a, a obviously I have a team of a hundred and something guys, but within that team, you kind of have your team, you know, yeah. you have your own room, you got the DBs and that's who I spent most of my time with. So those, those are kind of the guys you kind of form the closest bond with. And then outside of that, other positions, obviously, you know, for me, it was, Hey, let's find someone that's like-minded. Let's find someone who's moving in the same direction that I am. And that was honestly a small circle. I think the biggest thing that helped me out was, I had a strong sense of who I was when I came into AM. Um, I, I stayed true to who I was at that time. Um, and then also, I didn't need a huge circle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we try to be everything to everyone. Like, hey, I'm going to figure this out this night. And I'm going to go to Bible study this night. And I'm going to you yeah. know, study this this night. It, it's yeah. just, this is who I am. This is what my time is going to be you know, consumed with. One, believer. Two, um, I'm, an, I'm a student, and then three, I'm an athlete. Outside of that, I honestly didn't do much, and my circle was small because of it, but I, I had a clear perspective on who I was and where I wanted to go, and um, I knew my the pie, as they, they say, is only so big, and those kind of were my, my three slices, and I went home two weeks out of the year, and I just kept my head down, and uh, yeah. a couple years later, and I was done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good advice, man. Uh I mean, I think keeping that small is good, good advice, because yeah. like you said, we can get in the weeds real, real quick uh, when we try to just jump around. Especially when people put you on a pedestal. I mean, yeah. you have this, I think right now, especially we are more, we have more connections than ever, yeah. but shallower than ever. Sure. Just kind of like when you're famous, so to speak, and you know, you have 50,000 people that follow you, you can get confused about having 50,000 friends. Uh, when in actuality, five of your 50,000 actually know who you are. Um, yeah. But you are in the moment when you're on top of the world, so to speak, and you just won the Heisman Trophy or whatever it may be, uh, that can kind of cloud judgment. That can cloud who you should open up to. Um, you start to think that all of these people are your friends. And Right. Right. Not- you're right. <laughs> That's true. So they, you were, they love you when you play well, and they talk bad. Oh about yeah. Oh I yeah. Mean, just, I mean, that's true in life. That, that roller coaster. If you ride that roller coaster, you'll be up and you'll be down. Um, you need those people who are constant and say, "Hey, you know, not your greatest day, but I love you anyhow." So yeah. So all right. So you were you said a pastor's kid, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, but you then had to kind of take a hold of your faith and own yeah. it yourself along the way, is what you're yeah. telling us. Uh, so once you did that and you studied and you started to prove or disprove or validate or, you know, disqualify information. Was there a point in your walk at college that just kind of something clicked? Was there a point where once you took ownership of that faith, was there a point where a a defining moment, if you will, uh, that you could say, and maybe there wasn't one, but, or there was more, but talk about a a way that you just kind of noticed man, I think my path is going to go this way. Talk yeah. about some of that. So I say from, you know, 13 on up, 
my faith had been solid, strong, even when I was going through that, you know, questioning, um, never walked away from it, always, you know, kept the, the, the faith, so to speak. Um, but I would say two, two, two answers to that question. As far as a moment, I do kind of have a moment that was eye-opening for me at least um, and encouraging. Um, now, on top of that one moment, I would say all of the moments um, yeah. because consistency, that um, just commitment to wake up every single day. I think when I, when I look back at it, it was all of the moments that made the moments, the, the moment, you know, in the That's mind. Good mates when they say hey who is this guy it wasn't one moment it was consistency hey he was the same guy every day uh, yeah. so i'll say that but my personal uh, moment was when i was kind of going through this time like hey what about this and what about the hebrew what about the greek and i, I mean i was just i was far far far, far down the rabbit hole so to speak uh, uh -huh. a bad thing because now i have that testimony and i can understand i can explain it to someone else who may have the same questions um so while I was doing all of those things, one passage, passage just struck me um, in the middle of all of it. And the passage was about the, um, the blind man who was blind, I think he was blind from birth. And um, they started to question him and that, you know, everyone in the town knew that he was at one point blind. And um, they said, well, he asked his parents, well, who, who did this? And they said, well, he's of age, ask him. And they're asking, was he a prophet? Was he, was he this? How did this happen? And the guy stops him and he says, look, whether he's a prophet or this or that, I don't know. All I know is when he came, I was blind. When he left, I could see. And I just kind of rested on that. I was like, man, like all of the things that we can argue and talk about yeah. when it comes to theology, it's like, miss point arguing all of the details right just kind of like man i know what happened in my life i know who i was and now i know who i am and that's something that i don't need science and theology to prove is that's personal i know what happened to me yeah um, that's kind of where i just rested on that it's just like wow um and i've been speaking and preaching since since 13 and um one message that stands out to me kind of in relation to that is one time I preached a message. I think the title of it was the sum of it all. And um, basically it was, you know, love God and love people. And I explained it by explaining the leases that we use for our properties. And, you know, you have this thick lease and all of these pages and all of these rules that were made up because somebody did something. It talks about, you know, not using yeah. those for entry and exits and not using a stove to heat up the house and, like, why is this in here? Well, somebody did it. Yeah. But at the end of that lead, there's a, a page called the summary of key information. And if you just follow that page, if you get those details, if you sleep through the rest of it, but you get this part right, you'll be okay. We won't have to talk about all those little details. So there's a lot of things, you know, that you know, we have all of these different Christian churches. We have this separation, the split here, the split there. Well, I think this, and I think that, uh, but those key details, loving God and loving people and knowing what happened to me was where I just kind of found that foundation again. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and if I could get in, yeah, there, because I think, man, if you can just boil it down, right? Like you're saying to people, and I'll qualify what I'm about to say with this. When we get in 
real, real granular in the Bible. And we start trying to read between the lines of the lines of the lines, you know, and we start trying, I think we clutter the area that is meant for the simple truth that can be life changing. And like Mm -hmm. you're saying, somebody right now hears this and says, wow. Yeah. You know, I've really been just in order to feel like a better Christian, I have been really digging and peeling back the layers of all these scriptures, which is good. Like you said, that's great. Get as much in there and, and learn as much. But at the end of the day, there's a page right in your mind or in your heart. It's the summary that is, this is true. This is what you hang on to. And this is why it's important and how it's going to make a difference in your life. We're all sinners. We're all lost. None of us are good enough without Christ. He died. He rose. I mean, that that's the meat we're going to get to. It's like, hey, here's what was done for us. Yeah. We were all separated away, away from God. He leveled the playing field to where none of us could earn it. Gave right. us a gift, gift to where this is what we have to accept. That he died for us. That he rose again. That we cannot do it without him. You can't earn it. Now there's a response to grace. There's a behavior modification that happens, but we're not in the behavior modification business. That's God's job. Yeah. It says, hey, here's the gift. And to the gift, to the gift, here's my response. Right. Oh my gosh, this is what happened for me. Therefore, this is how I respond. Man, he doesn't walk the same way. He doesn't talk the same way. That's because he's been given the gift and he appreciates it. He understands. Right. Yeah. Um, so yes, grace does have a response. That's good. It's just like, what would we say if the planes yeah. and all of these things that we're bicker and arguing about yeah. and just in our heads, we wouldn't mention any of it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, they talk about that in sales too. What's your elevator pitch, right? I mean, yeah. what do you, what can you say in that 30 seconds of going up the, ele- and so not that we try to rush through or gloss over things, but what you're saying is important. Get to the point. Yeah. What matters is what matters. And uh, so a- along that defining moment line, did you have another, like kind of aha moment did you have something that just kind of went off maybe you were frustrated maybe you were disappointed maybe something distracted you was there a point where you were like not that you were going to stop believing in god but man i kind of see this over here looks kind of tempting was there anything about that that kind of kept you on track yeah i mean so i would say it, it was probably in that same moment um most people would look at me from the outside and say he walked a, a perfect walk, which is not even close to the truth. Um, that's just outside perspective. Yeah. But it was in that moment when, because when you, I think when you question to the point of you're not, I think I heard a saying that says, I think it was Tony Evans who said, um, I can ask questions, but I can't question God. Yeah. I think that was what he said in the sermon he preached one time. I can ask questions, but I can't question God. So I think whenever my me asking questions turned into me questioning God was when I was walking a dangerous line. Okay. At that point, it's just kind of like when you when you start to scratch on God's sovereignty, he'll put you in your place. Yeah. Oh yeah. But whenever my kind of of okay what about this and what about that turned into a almost anger from not knowing everything and kind of wow wow why is this this way and in that tone shifted 
Um, and thankfully it didn't, it didn't last too long. That was probably at, I was probably at my most dangerous moment because at that point, when you start to kind of step on God's sovereignty, you start to act like, you know, you are, you start to take on that form. Like, well, I have the authority to do this and you don't. I mean, that's what, that's what happened when you went to God's place. So yeah, yeah that's that good. was my, probably my most dangerous moment when it came that's to, good. you know, not walking the right yeah. way. Yeah. So let me ask you. So the next question we have, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of very give a variation of it, but stay on that same path. But if we could give ourselves advice as a younger version, um, coming into college, you're mm-hmm. top one or 2% athlete in the country. Uh, and you, you could give yourself advice or you could give yourself a heads up. What I, how I want to vary this is, it sounds like in what you just described of a dangerous position or a risky mindset you had to have somebody around you probably like you mentioned some leaders but you probably had to have some people you were bouncing stuff off of because we can't do this by ourselves i mean it's hard enough when you got two or three strong people uh around you talk about give yourself some advice as a younger version of you that would be what you wish you would have heard about building those connections and and really building that strong how would, how do you, what's the importance of that, I guess, yeah. for somebody listening? Yeah. Um, this is, this is, you know, in faith and in life, I always tell people I kind of cheated um, because I, I've, I've had, a, I guess, almost a knack for finding people that are where I want to be and that have walked the road that I'm traveling. And it's almost like cheat codes. You know, I'm, That's right. I have three plus years of real estate experience partner has 33 years I talk like I have 30 years because of my time with him um same thing in faith it's like hey let's find somebody who's walked this path before exactly what you're doing right now and let's let's use the cheat codes you don't have to learn from your mistakes you can learn from other people's so true true I think that's kind of my maturation acceleration process in life and people look at me and say hello how old are you what you what have you done already and to me it's nothing but to them I guess it's something um, and they say, well, man, that's, that's quick. You're kind of wise beyond your years. I'm thinking it's out there, read a book, go to YouTube. Like, why would I <laughs> make mistakes? My partner made in real estate when I don't have to, I'll just learn from his mistakes. Now, some things you have to experience yourself, but if you can find someone who's walked the road that you're trying to travel. Um, yes, it's like using a GPS. Hey, yeah. this isn't the fastest route anymore. Take a deep they know where the traffic jams are. They know the back roads. Why not use that information? Um, yeah. So I'll find someone who's traveled the road you want to take. Um, secondly, um, as far as what advice I would give myself coming in, it's, it's not as big as you think it is. Um, it's not as serious as you think it is. Well, you know, when I was in Little League, when I was playing Little League football, I thought I was at the Super Bowl every Saturday that we played. And now I drive past the fields, and it's just kind of like, oh, look at those little kids playing football. But perspective was, this is life. Yeah. And I think we keep that perspective pretty much throughout life. It's everything so serious when we're in it. And then we get out of it and we realize, like, when we look back and like, man, the stuff that I was just, like, stressing over, it wasn't that big and and nobody cares. (laughs) Right. Some of it, yeah, you're right. And and I think it's something that has made me successful. But I didn't sleep if I had a bad play. And we won the game by like 50 points, but I'm still thinking about the bad play. I know the piece of advice is 
kind of along the same lines of just being authentic. Um, whenever David was getting ready to fight Goliath, the Bible says that Saul began to put his armor on David and he tested it out and he took it off. And a lot of times we need to take off things. He says he took it off because he wasn't used to it. He trusted his training, went back to what he knew. Um, Saul agreed to let him fight, but with stipulations. If you're going to do this, you need to look like this. You need to be dressed like a warrior. And a lot of times that's what people try to do, especially the college athletes. It's like, hey, if you're going to do this, this is what you need to look like. This is the box you need to fit into. Um, sometimes we need to take off those expectations and be true to who God called us to be. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. I like it. Um, that was that was definitely for somebody, I believe, because there's a lot of people that are listening that are exactly where you were or exactly in that box that you're talking about. Um, so that was perfect, uh, man. All right, man. So we're going to round this out and put a bow on the conversation for somebody today. This could be this could be life changing because uh, we talk about legacy a lot. But uh, I want to hear your perspective about finish this sentence for me. So I, I know I made an impact in the lives of my teammates because they told me <laughs> and they still tell that's me. too easy. I got to switch that question. Up. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I still have guys call me today um, and not just college teammates. Um, I think it's probably at, at this stage of my life been being further removed from junior high and high school than I am college. Um, when I get those calls from my hometown with guys I played junior high, little league, high school football with, and they say, man, I should have listened to you. Or, man, you don't know what, you know, that did for me seeing you grow up and seeing you, you know, where you are today. And just, you, you did it. You stayed true to who you were. And, you know, you said you were going to do this and you followed through. Um, so it's just those, those random phone calls, honestly, from somebody I didn't expect to call. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that guy. I've never had a conversation with that guy. I had no clue he was watching me. Um, so that's always special when I have guys call and say, man, you remember all those days you were in the stadium at five o'clock in the morning running and, you know, we thought you were crazy. They say, you know, it made, it makes sense now. Um, yeah, let me, let me, let me tighten, let me tighten it up a little here, uh, and go further on that question then. Uh, what do you think about you got you to the point where those people still want to call you? I wasn't afraid to be different. Um, uh, many nights, um, roommates, they saw that, um, they were out, I was studying, um, they saw the late night, they saw their early mornings, um, they saw me turn down things that most guys wouldn't, um, and I just, I tried to live it every, every, the consistency, every moment, um, I'm, I had some, you know, some moments in college to where it could have went this way or that way. And I was like, um, I just tried to, you know, stay true to yeah. what I was supposed to be. And they just saw, you know, pretty much at every step and, yeah. and, yeah. I, and no, no ways lived a, a perfect life and, and made mistakes, but had some, you know, moments that were turning moments, you know, maybe in the, the eyes of teammates that said, man, that was a, a big test. So yeah. it was that you passed, but none of that's done with God and you know, not on my own strength, but that's trying good. to rely, rely on God. So that's good. That's exactly man. I mean, we talked about earlier about keeping it simple. And man, when you said be just be different and consistent, like like that to me sums it up for somebody listening right now. If you're bold enough and courageous enough to be different than what everybody's doing, like 
Bible talks about like that road is lonely sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, to just stand out and be different. But I think we need people, especially athletes that we're looking at in a different way. Yeah. We need those guys to be abnormal. We need them to be uncommon or different in those in that regard. So I think somebody needed to hear that. So that was great. Um, it's, it takes courage. It's not easy. I mean, you're not sitting here saying, man, that was, I wasn't tempted at all. You're not saying that like, it's about consistency and making the decisions when you are tempted and when those situations arise, somebody is always watching. So man, Alex, uh, I, I'm thankful, man. Uh, Thanks for coming on here. Blessing people, blessing me. Like this conversation was was real and uh, it was it was authentic you know to steal your word uh but i really appreciate it because i think somebody can relate they live they're living what you lived and they have an opportunity to go either one direction or another and i hope they choose the path that you described and the one that you took so man on behalf of our audience thank you till next time audience he's been alex caesar we've been last in line be blessed Oh,